you can always tell the difference of someone who knows what they're going to use in the cut and then also people who are sort of still like a bit hesitant of like like, like confident about like what's going to make it that confidence will boost like the whole morale of the whole set along with like say like the camera department although if we don't know exactly the outcome like uh we and like, yourself need to be confident with um with your decision making and even if it is a huge risk and you like understand or or are guessing is that that confidence will like transpire towards the whole set of everyone being confident and like executing what they're doing you're listening to the director's notebook a podcast featuring actors and filmmakers to develop the perspective and tools to become a director in the film industry i'm samuel g davy a videographer, student, and aspiring director coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. Today I sat down with Julian Lamaga, a multifaceted cinematographer who has an incredible perspective on filmmaking in general. We talk about our personal projects we had together, confidence, and a more philosophical approach to cinematography. It was interesting to hear the way he describes his journey into cinematography because He didn't have any formal training, and he mentions he learned from watching people he worked with on set. Personally, as someone in film school, our varying perspectives led to some eye-opening conversations. This podcast is extremely laid back at times, and I do want to say that I think it's important to check out Julian's website while you're listening to get a full grasp of what we're talking about. You can find it at julianlamaga.com. I'll also put it in the description. And briefly, a little backstory before we get started. Our relationship developed a couple years ago with my first time acting on set. Since then, we had the opportunity to work together again where he directed a music video that I starred in. So you'll definitely catch us reminiscing a little bit throughout this podcast. Julian and I had such a fun time recording this, and it was honestly hard to end it, so I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Damn, I've already learned so much and we're not even rolling. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Good segue though, I guess. Yeah. All right. Julian Lamaga, welcome to the show, man. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. I have been watching all of your work for the last week. And of course, I've also been following your journey since we worked together on set a couple of years ago. And I just want to say that your work to me spans so many different styles. And you obviously do an amazing job bringing these beautiful creative choices to all the work, the music videos, the narratives, commercials that you've done. So I'm really excited to hear more about the decision making that went into those videos. And of course, inevitably to learn from you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. I'll try my best. (laughs) So that brings me to my first topic, which is baseball. I'm so curious as to how you went from playing baseball in Louisiana to being a cinematographer. Uh, Yeah, I had no plans anyway um, of getting into cinematography at all because when I was younger, all I cared about was like sports and video games and skateboarding basically. And then I did a 
have no plans even after high school of what I was doing. And uh, I played baseball uh, my whole life. And then getting into high school, I actually quit. And I was playing like a lot of video games and like esports. And so that was like my whole thing. And then I ended up going to the U.S. Uh, on a scholarship. Uh, what happened was I was supposed to go to York University for kinesiology. And then in my like victory lap year, I uh, my second semester marks weren't good enough. Oh, sorry, a year prior, my, my second semester marks in grade 12 weren't good enough to get in for kinesiology. So then I took a victory lap. Um, and I didn't go to your free kinesiology. They basically rejected me in my, for, my, for that second semester. So I did a victory lap and I started playing baseball again. And I got a, and I really went into it and then started playing in the States. And then getting into cinematography was my second or third year while I was playing. I was like getting injured and I wasn't doing really well on the team. Um, like the competition there was much higher than in Canada. And I was not, that was just, you know, I probably played like two games, uh, like my first uh, year that I was there. And then my second year I was a red shirt. So I was sort of, um, I was just practicing and like training. Um, <clears throat> and like, I knew I needed to do other things, obviously, like when I was getting into that and I met a friend there and we, uh, got into film cinematography directing and, uh, I was studying communications there at the time. Uh, so I worked with the media department at uh, Louisiana State University of Alexandria in, Lu in Louisiana. Uh, it's like in the center. And um, yeah, just me, my friend and I, Baron Creighton, uh, who I've worked with still and still talk about projects and such that uh, he's a, a huge, uh, he pushed me basically into getting into it uh, and brought me to this whole world of filmmaking while I was there and there was no film program at all. So it was um, just randomly doing it and picking up a, a DSLR camera and just seeing a lot of Vimeo uh, like content and just watching a lot of movies. So. It was your friend that kind of pushed you towards cinematography specifically. Like, was there anything else that you were interested in, in filmmaking? Yeah, not at, I don't I mean, I skate videos getting into, right. Yeah. Did you skateboard? I, yeah, I, I, I skate. Yeah. It's super a lot fun. of people film skateboard, but. Yeah, actually, that is a good point. I know some people who are in advertising in Toronto who started with with making skate videos. Just crazy. I mean, it, it gives you the opportunity to just start creating content, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just like really fun. And obviously, you're just like hanging out with friends and like you have a big lens and you're just like grooving and doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't miss with that fisheye as well. So, pretty much everything you get is usable. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Were you good at skateboarding? Um, not really. I mean, I I always BMXed, right? Um, I would skate with my friends and just do that when everyone else had a board. I would ride, or I would ride a skateboard when I was bored on my bike. Not much to do. Um, so. I mean, like, I'm more of a BMXer than a skater, but, yeah, I can do a few tricks here and there, you know, enough to enough to get by. Yeah, then probably, but BMXing, I thought, like, took, like, insane, uh, like, uh, balls to basically do it, because I was, like, so crazy. I didn't, like, whip around a bike, and, like, was, yeah, I thought that was, like, much more scary than skateboarding. I mean, I mean like, t to me, getting airtime is so much cooler than doing like a super technical thing so like for a street riding I, I totally respect it but it's kind of more so like 
just being in the air and like feeling the wind, you know, <laughs> it's just such a crazy feeling. Yeah, absolutely. You can go off, you not be on, yeah, obviously you have big wheels so you can do other things. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, ride dirt, anything, man. Stair sets, it's fun. Yeah. You can grind with pegs and stuff, eh? Yeah, I'm not really into that as much. Like I said, I just like hitting big jumps, doing doing big tricks. That's what I'm good at. Yeah. I was no good at skateboarding, no. No? That's, that's why you were filming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly why. It was just always like really cool when uh, someone would just do this with the camera. I thought people were just putting their hands in front of the camera because it looked really cool. But... Oh, yeah, totally. Every clip. I remember my friend used to do that at the end so that he would know when people land a trick. A good take, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would scroll through and be able to see like, oh, hands in front of the camera. That's the one where the guy landed it. Cause you know, you got like 20 takes of some guy doing a kickflip. Yeah, it tells as much as uh, of me getting into skateboarding. I really didn't know like the culture that I even at that point. I mean, it made you cinematographer and that's great. <laughs> skateboarding and baseball, your journey. Yeah, yeah. As you said, like your your buddy kind of pushed you into cinematography, and you started making content with him. Um, was there anybody in the higher ups, like in the industry, that inspired you to to create something? So, yeah, when I sort of people that I really enjoyed following when I was starting and still do to this day, I was like um, really enjoyed. Uh, there was this, I watched a lot of Vimeo at that time because there's also um, my friend Baron introduced me to Vimeo and um, uh, my friend Andrew uh, Design as well here uh, got uh, me into watching like Vimeo as well and such who um, was a filmmaker. And uh, at that time, I just was not in film school or I had no idea what I was really doing. Like I, I just was sort of following... Um, and as well as seeing Vimeo was like very, at that point, um, in my stage of like even in artistry and like getting into anything, uh, was I, I had no idea. I just thought that uh, I wasn't even very much into like cinema. I didn't even know really like what it meant in a way. And I just saw these very cool like independent uh, like filmmakers working on Vimeo. And like uh, the first person I was very inspired by on Vimeo was Benjamin Loeb, who's a cinematographer. Um, and he was doing work with a uh, director in Toronto, Kevin Funk, that uh, they're just, uh, their style was very um, natural to begin. And also at that point, like looking back, was uh, also like, quite achievable in a way of um, not, under not really even understanding their work because I was such a, um, I didn't even understand what I was sort of doing. I just thought aesthetic like, looked really cool. Um, and I thought that, uh, like a backtracking, like following shot, like felt really nice. Um, and like the aesthetic of like anamorphic and um, just like their uh, themes that they were playing with um, were incredibly interesting. But also there's this like an aesthetic and like a cool like factor to it that just like felt, um, it's just really interesting. So I sort of like just followed this and I got really into like a lot of aesthetic and like at the point, like trying to create things that just looked like very beautiful um, and think that just like were sort of interesting. Um, and then it was sort of until I watched this documentary called Fire at Sea, um, uh, filmmaker uh, Gianfranco Rossi from, uh, is an Italian documentary filmmaker. 
um, and he lived on this uh, this island. Uh, I forgot where in Italy during a migrant crisis. Um, I believe it was uh, African migrants that were coming to uh, this small uh, town in Italy. Um, and uh, he lived there for like a couple of years. And he was basically just observing everything that was happening there between like in the ocean uh, and compared to on land. Um, uh, like what the, the people of this like island, how they were reacting to everything. And then how their like life was so simple. And then also the migrants like coming uh, by boat and like some were dying and uh, the whole situation that was happening uh, like at sea. Um, and um, uh, he basically was just like such a ghost in a certain way of capturing people that um, he would, the camera was very much so just belonged to him. And he was this observer uh, that like the camera felt like the, everyone that was on camera never felt like they were being recorded. So just like there was this whole um, performance layer that didn't exist um, uh, while he was recording uh, this whole documentary. So everyone like in North America here, <clears throat> with a, whenever a camera's pointed on them and what I've like seen more so is like that, um, uh, it's very, and I, you know, it's hard to be biased of just like saying North America in general, because obviously, Europe around the world, like cameras pointed, but there's a certain like level of performance that now that I really see within um, like any cameras being pointed to you uh, or you're recording anything with an iPhone is that uh, being very performative and it's sort of veering away from uh, fire at sea. But with fire at sea is that I sort of like felt and finally uh, saw something that was so true um, uh, just to, what you can do with a camera and be able to like record experience in this way um, and see people act, not actually be acting, but just reacting to what's actually happening in real life and a filmmaker sort of uh, um, letting it all happen and then just recording it. Um, and then not like not having a presence from the camera in any way uh, and just like as a pure observer. And that was um, um, a huge inspiration going forward um, and that sort of led me into creating my first documentary that was on a basketball player at LCA, uh, uh, Dequavius Wagner, who was, um, uh, he was like a new, uh, he had played like NCAA, uh, division one basketball. And then he came to the smaller school that I was at in Louisiana. Um, and I basically just wanted to create, um, what I saw as an observer, um, and, as um, say what I saw a lot in like Benjamin Loeb's work, which was um, just like literally following someone from the back. And that's like all I was like really interested in um, and just letting things happen in front of the camera and then trying to just not, you know, just and, and as well interact with everyone that was around me. So that like with the camera, I was never really like uh, seen as like a camera person. Um, and then just like trying to get things that were very organic in front. Um, and yeah, so that was like, that was the first uh, coming to that. That was the first really big inspiration um, getting into it. So that's beautiful that you had that sort of mindset, even going into it, like with your first, your first project. And it seems as though you'd rather think about a feel rather than the, the sort of technical aspects to 
cinematography, even from your first project, as you said. Is that true? Because as well, even at that point, I was even like very conscious to what I was doing. So it was like until now that I've like, I was actually like realizing what I was doing because I very like arbitrary of going into things and just doing them and then seeing like what comes from it. Um, and so, yeah, going into it now um, that every, everything in front of you is a feeling that, you know, obviously that you're recording or like your intentions within going into a project is that you're, um, when watching something is that all everything is about just feeling something and that um, anything like after aesthetic, uh, I believe it would come after um, uh, feeling um, and like feeling creates like the aesthetic that, that, uh, that comes from not going in, in mind from the first um, uh, like point of view that aesthetic it creates any sort of feeling or doing something with the lens or doing this and this and this, like maybe these ideas might, come or like they might come from references and such but um yeah, I, I totally definitely do believe of uh of justifying like some feeling to go into it at least but, yeah uh what, what what's your take on that in that sense yeah i mean i'm i'm no cinematographer but yeah i definitely agree that like having a feel and that being the main subject of what you're doing should be king um i think it's important to have people that know their stuff, right? With with technical things and to hire people that know technical things. But me and, and how I'm thinking as a director is that I'm gonna hire people for that. I'd rather focus in on the story and what I'm gonna get out of it and the feel of where the camera's going and you know the creative decisions in that aspect rather than the technical ones. Yeah, I see. And do you do you see yourself uh, using aesthetic properties in storytelling that you're doing, and it's like editorial, or uh, are you very much focused on writing and like performance and such? What do you mean by that? Like say, in, I guess in, in our case, like for like direct directing, like that I've I've only directed is like say Blue Moon was like something that I directed with Roman, who mm -hmm. worked with, like directors that I've worked with. Some are much more editorial, where like I. I will need like be focusing on the lighting um, and there's, and I let like full control of them, like to move the camera. Um, right. Or it's like, sometimes it's like a collaboration. Usually it is. Um, but in this case, if you like have a control over the camera and you understand how things want to look and are aesthetic and like, if you're playing with like visual effects and like things like that, it's, like there's like a certain like threshold of what you understand. Um, and obviously like the specialists will understand uh, everything that you'll need to know. Um, but as well, like knowing like sort of a base work, if you have like a very editorial background, is that like, say like, if you're very into photography that evokes a certain feeling, then like those references and like that, even that like tech execution, um, um, not for like me to say, but it is like important to like know getting into, like say uh, like Zack Snyder is like a reference to like, he's a very like editorial like uh, visual, like style director that, I mean, I don't obviously know his like workflow and such, but um, uh, from anyone, anyone visual, I imagine is like really like digging into like even how lighting works and what kind of lighting like you want and such. And that's sort of yeah my question in that regard. Cause, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Like for me, I definitely want to 
have references and pay homage in that sense. And then also, like, I don't necessarily want to hand over all of the creative freedom to each department in a way. So, like, me and the way I'm picturing it is important, but I want to be completely open to change, which is obviously a hard thing to do. But, you know, it's like developing that relationship and that trust. And that's why you got to hire the right people that know their stuff. You know, if that does that answer your question? Yeah. And also, do you like to leave um, uh, sort of uh, like fluctuation to happen? So, if you know, obviously, like relationships that you have with people, like they can also like working with someone that has like mindedness and or like is in the same realm that like even they, if they bring ideas as well and um, that are on like in like full circle in that sense, then it is like you come with a lot of ideas, but then also like open to like people like bringing things as well. And then you'll know, like, you know, like when to say no and like when like, oh, that's like great and such, right? I was listening to this podcast called Film Kid Asks um, by my friend Jordan. And she was interviewing Lachlan Milne, who was the cinematographer of Minari and Stranger Things. And it was really interesting hearing him speak because he was talking about you know, everyone on set should be able to bring up their ideas and to, to throw things at you because, I mean, you don't know what's going on in everyone's head. And, and when there's a, a hierarchy, it's harder for creative decisions to, to flourish. So I'm totally with that. I, I want to give as many people the creative freedom they can. But obviously, as a director, I'm going to have that sense of, Right. This is still like my decision, but I completely appreciate any feedback or any ideas that come my way because, you know, it can turn into anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting we were talking about him because he actually inspired a question that I wanted to ask. And it's interesting when I was doing some research on him, he would rather create a style with a story instead of bring and develop a style to a story what are your thoughts on that yeah totally um i heard that exact same thing in different words from uh uh watched this youtube uh youtube videos on cinematographers that i forgot i forgot who makes them the channel but uh there's one on darius kanji and i like a huge fan of his work and uh, he's a french cinematographer that shot like seven and um uh, yeah, many others, uh, a more, um, yeah, many other films. It, and, um, also just one more, uh, yeah. Have you seen any of those ones? I'm the worst. I haven't. And I'll tell you why I'll give you my excuse. I fell in love with filmmaking before I fell in love with movies. Is I, I was kind of like you, right? I was in that whole content creator mindset and then just started making films. And then I, I was never like, wow, I love movies so much. I want to make them. I was like, I love filmmaking so much. I should watch movies. <laughs> right, right. That's funny. That's actually a thing though, isn't it? Like being a, in the con like content creator, like mindset. Yeah. Um, sort of see these things in, as well, like them doing well, like without having any like, prior education, even like uh, getting into it, man. Yeah, so Darius Kanji, uh, he, he said that um, like creating a look of a project 
sort of like starts to unfold itself. Um, I forgot the exact uh, quote that he said, but um, I heard that about like a week ago. And then I've also like, I've uh, really like, like found that and adopted it uh, in a way of like being uh, um, not very, uh, really like don't like using references as a base example while like building a project. And like, there's definitely, I think, references to like begin something when you're like talking about, like I look in a few on things and like color palettes and such, um, but then like really starting to veer away from it and then see how um, the action in front is unveiling and then um, unveiling and using uh, all the like emotional properties of that project um, and what's happening within the action um, and in general and uh, sort of letting like a lot of things happen and like but preparing as much as possible for these projects um, by uh, shot listing and such um, and using like lots of references I think but when things don't go to plan or things like happen uh, just on set and just like let them happen um, and a lot of like even if they're they like seem like mistakes um, like really adopting a lot of mistakes and then just like using them uh, because they came like, I think out a certain way possibly um, either like that it was totally wrong and like it can't execute it um, uh, or like this thing just worked better than the other. Usually like I think starting a lot and like uh, doing a lot of music video um, uh, yeah, mostly and just like you know short projects is that there's like a always a um anticipation of mind of like what you're wanting to get but then when you're actually there and you get it it's like usually like much different than you're like anticipating or what you thought i'm sure you can like imagine but it's like that's and i've like really felt to just always embrace that and like if something comes then just like let it like let it go and like let it evolve that way um, and just a lot of fluidity in that process. And it's, uh, and everything will come through that emotion that you find. I think that's, uh, that's what I've found more so and learned from, from many other people who've talked about that. And that's interesting because acting is so similar. I had Colton Stewart on the podcast, uh, the last podcast, and he was saying he preps so much, but he's willing when he gets on set. To throw it all out the window because you never know what's going to happen who's going to hit you with a new line you have to be open right so it's it's interesting i feel like people typically wouldn't expect multiple departments to be like that but i i do want to say that also it kind of goes back towards what we first talked about with that that feeling of like being an observer and sort of hiding the camera I feel like I've never thought of cinematography and we've only been talking for 30 minutes about like more feeling based rather than than the technical stuff. Because, you know, in school, it's always about like, this is dramatic lighting and this is how you set it up or this is three point lighting. You know, it's it's never about the the things that you're talking about. All, the, all those bases of uh lighting and such um like getting into it as as much as uh unorthodox like talk about things um 
is that also like don't come from a background of like learning it that way so like, i don't understand if i went to film school if i would be approaching things like much differently and such so i was like sort of another aspect but obviously like like a lot of the things i imagine you're learning and, and such is like i imagine it's like very nice to have like a base of things um and like even have like an understanding because like when starting and not being able to sort of be in that environment and uh it's like it's also like just very like um it's very difficult obviously still like not having that base so it's like i'm sort of like a bit i like at this point now it's like i've like studied a lot on my own and such but in this case you're like with you in film school I like you sort of like envied like not going to film school because of having like this sort of like base knowledge of like even like researching uh like film theory and stuff because i don't do like i've uh like researched and watched the uh, uh like older cinema that i enjoy but then never really uh got into like huge specifics uh or like been like taught like programs about it that like seems really nice obviously like you're interested in what you're interested in you like you do that and, and such but it kind of sounds like you just started developing a voice before learning more so the technical stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. No, you don't think so? In terms of like a, a voice in a way, because I consciously like was not under, I didn't know what I was doing for like uh, still like even to this day of like still learning like uh, as much as I can every day of, and learning from a lot of other people what to like really do it and, and like as well do it properly in a certain way because uh within any like art form and expressions that um you can you know do it your own way and um it'll come out a certain way you might not know but it, obviously that's like sort of being experimental um and that uh until like learning like from uh like for me at least was um getting into steady cam operating was uh, a huge transition and um a huge uh, learning curve doing it, but also um, getting into working with uh, cinematographers who just really understand what they're doing um, and are just incredible at what they do that I was able to learn from. Um, and every, every, everyone that I uh, have done Steadicam for and work with as a camera operator uh, was really more of where I like, learned to be more of a filmmaker, more so on the on the basis of like doing it um, like, more properly in a way. Because, uh, like I said before, of just sort of pointing a camera around and like doing stuff and not really like understanding any motivation of why. It was just sort of it was like a level of ignorance as well, like absolutely, um, and just going into things like really headstrong and like a big tunnel vision, but then not actually really understanding. Like why, um, uh, like say someone's uh, following someone with a camera, and why that feeling even feels that way. Um, uh, yeah, in that sense, so I don't even understand how to answer that because it's like uh, it, I was just really like being like very ignorant in a way. I think that has a lot to do with the society that you and I are growing up in, with this whole idea of just constantly putting out content and then figuring it out as you go. I feel like a lot of people used to master something and then put out content, and now we can just click a button and show millions of people what you're doing, so. There's definitely a pressure. Um, I, mean, I feel like that leaks a bit into, uh, you know, still with, um, and a big thing as well was like the, the being like rushed to do cinematography. 
um, and get into being known and like, like say doing, uh, being a cinematographer and like direct photography, I'm sure like imagine like you get into the roles of like doing camera assisting and uh, grip and electric and lighting. Uh, and, um, and obviously like there's lots of time spent learning about the craft even before like getting into it. And I like, like generally for me it was, I'm just, was very, had been very focused passionately on uh, one thing after the other um, in my life that like once I got into cinematography after playing baseball and like video games, like esports and stuff and even skateboarding was like, I, uh, I go like all in into this one thing and then I don't like, I'm not looking at anything else other than like this end goal, like tunnel vision sort of thing that like, it's a great, like there's great pros of being um, um, uh, like, you know, resilient and like very, uh, you can roll with punches and like, you know, you're learning hard ways and such rather than like sort of um, like slowing down. Like, okay, like I can understand this first and then or, like lighting and camera and such. And then um, other than just like sort of going in head first and then just seeing what comes. Um, and that, I, what I wanted to say was pressure, like pressuring as well on the online presence of like, say like Instagram or like Facebook of seeing how many other people are doing it. And then also seeing how there's a lot of other people doing it very well. And also at your age. Um, and that was, I think like something that I felt like, yeah, like victim, victim to more so not to like victimize myself in this regard, but um, of understanding that at a certain point after playing sports my whole life is that I really, I think I went into filmmaking much more in the competitive route rather than like being uh, more of an artist and, um, you know, asking, meeting like many other people. Um, uh, yeah, like I, I really like what you do. This is what I, um, uh, like this is what I like as well. Like what do you like? And just sort of uh, more like holistic, like, uh, artist view on 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 any art form in general of just meeting people um and that i was like very competitive with even like the mindset of uh like i want to get to like this certain level and i want to be like good at it and like this is like like sort of like what i have to do and it was like almost like more of an athletic sport rather than uh more of a community and such in that sense um yeah that was like a huge realization for me in that in that regard but uh, that's what that's what I think is what like adds to that uh, conversation. Would you say then, like here, I'll give you an analogy first. Um, I've always said it's interesting when singers develop their voice on their own because it seems a little bit more unique. You know, maybe like Bob Dylan. I don't, I don't know. I haven't fact checked that if he developed his voice on his own, but he has a unique voice. And when you go through a vocal coach and they teach you exactly how to do it, I feel like you kind of don't think outside the box as much. And you're used to that straight set mindset. Do you think that, like, the difference between us here is obviously, like, I'm in film school, and then you kind of just jumped into it. Do you think film school over developing your own voice is more beneficial in that regard? In terms of not beneficial i don't think there's like any like good or bad from it uh and then in my case um of getting into it uh what i'm trying to say is there's no i don't think there's any benefit 
uh, like loss. So it's like, I would have like met people who probably would have done things like a different way. Although that's like a whole other like lifetime. Like I know it's like, that's the sort of like metaphysical like aspect, but like I have no idea, but also I understand like the question of um, for anyone like, you know, like making the decision to go to film school um, and like not, um, I've, uh, and as well, like friends with lots of students and as well from like, a lot of people from Ryerson as well that I've, I've been friends with and lots of, you know, directors and you know, other DPs that have gone to film school. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Ryerson. Shout out to Ryerson. <laughs> yeah. Most people in Toronto are a lot of Ryerson people, uh, mostly and everyone from film school, mostly Ryerson and from York, but mostly, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of yeah the decision i i feel like do you feel like that's the where the question goes more so because in, in terms of like with my experience is that you know i'm not like a figure of like uh yeah like don't do this or that there's like there's different like aspects and then also um i think there's also like the viewpoint of how you're going into filmmaking uh possibly um yeah does that make sense or yeah, for sure. Man, it's a very, very difficult question to answer. I'll tell you that. I was just curious about like what your your thoughts are on it, basically. And you did answer that. Um, I was just wondering like if it kind of makes you feel like another to just go through film school and learn everything with everyone. I think there are so many aspects that make both decisions good and bad. But I mean, there's definitely no definitive answer to that at all. And I think if you're listening and you want to go to film school or you don't want to go to film school, just do what you want to do. I mean, you can always drop out. I, I met some people who... That's a great... <laughs> who, who would, this guy messaged me on Instagram. Uh, actually, I want to have him on the show. Uh, and he said he went to Ryerson and then dropped out second year to just make a film i think you follow him actually akash sherman yeah 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 i've yeah. uh well, i uh, met him really, really briefly actually a seat on this feature he did called clara yeah you'd so you i'm referencing that film he dropped out a second year to make that that's crazy i had no idea that uh you were on that film that's awesome man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool i met him in a, a film competition actually for for tenet that i entered last year and he saw my entry and we just started messaging each other and he's just an incredible guy all around. Um, but yeah, like my point was that he dropped out of second year to make that film. And then when we talked after my submission, he basically just said like, find a way to drop out and like figure out how, how you can best drop out of school. Give yourself a reason. Wow, that's confident. <laughs> that's confident. Yeah. I just thought it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Are you thinking about that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, dude, I've met so many amazing people in the film program that I genuinely want to work with for the rest of my life. Um, and I think that relationship and those people in my life now that I can turn to and work with and help and like for also watch grow is so worth the experience, you know. And right now I'm doing advertising, which is not necessarily like I never really thought I would get into advertising, but I also love this job, you know? So it's like, I don't know 
what my path is going to be at all. I just know what I want, which is to be a director. I'm going to start with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool, though, what you've done, I think, with this tool of uh, like meeting people, I guess, like, or like catching up on the podcast is nice, too. But uh, also, uh, it's such a practical way of also getting to like, understand some things, too, I imagine. So, yeah, it's cool that you started this in that sense. Yeah, it's honestly crazy that I wasn't doing this. It's just such an excuse to talk to such amazing people and to learn and gain perspective. And also, like, I first of all wanted to start it during the pandemic because I can't be on set as much. And also, like, I don't want to be on a lot of sets, even if I could, just because it's kind of frightening right now, um, especially in Toronto. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino did like similar but it wasn't a podcast but it was a uh, like he basically uh like interviewed a lot of uh to my memory uh, like a lot of famous i think director actors and producers um and he said it was like for a uh did you hear about that no i didn't actually so it's he said it was for like a magazine or something i think but he just kept it for himself that is so funny so like not like putting on the record in that sense. But this is like what I heard, I think, on one podcast. I remember a filmmaker's podcast. Um, yeah, I just, I thought that was like, that was the old school way of like doing like a podcast, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously like public and like. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's, that's really funny that he did that. So basically, I might be the next Tarantino is what you're saying. That's all I heard. Yeah, yeah we interview a lot of, uh, get a lot of insights. Yeah, totally. Um, and what's great about me calling this podcast the director's notebook is that like the director obviously should know as much as they can about each department. And I think that only helps, right? So like something that I want to ask you in that regard is like, what's something that a director has done for you where you've just said to yourself, like, that was amazing. Like whether it be you know, creative freedom or like prep, anything. Bunch of things come to mind. Yeah. 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 I understand. Um, so it's always, uh, I think within junction of the, of a relationship between a director is, um, being in unison of how much time things will take, um, and like expectations and also like communicating like very highly of, um, how much time things will take and, or like where we need to like maybe sacrifice things. Um, and, um, the director and the cinematographer really working in unison of when I need something, um, or when I need like, say like a bit more time. Um, and then also when I need to like be faster, uh, that I need to be in my boundaries of, uh, like, please, like, like I need time to do this and, or, um, I know I need to be fast because we need to get through like a whole day and we need to do this. Um, that it's always nice being uh, obviously uh, having someone that is like has got your back in that sense. Although there are times where it's like the director, it's like obviously like yeah, we need to move fast and we need to do this and this, um, and that uh, just the, between like the respect is is nice, but also like my understanding is that everything towards what the director wants is that I need to execute in any fashion like what uh is needed by a director like in any in any shape or form 
so the biggest thing I would say is just the communication in that regard and like knowing what my, uh, uh, my mission is basically, uh, in terms of like when I've worked with many other directors is that everyone has a different working style and I'm sort of always molding to how they want to work and always like letting go my ego of how I like can do things and just like letting them have like a lot of free realm with, um, how it should be. Um, and also like interjecting with what I think is, is like what I like and what I think is right for the scene or the, the right for regardless, uh, anything. Um, yeah. So that, I would say that communication is like the biggest aspect. Were there any specific situations like that, that you have any stories from, like just when you and the director really connected over something? Yeah. A nice compliment is when, uh, a director, has told me that like it's this is like sort of what I was imagining um like in my head like, that's always like the number one thing that's so nice to hear because um uh, yeah to create someone else's vision uh and like grasp what their like uh tone was or theme that they were like trying to inspire through like the image quality or like the exposure or the composition um is always like such a great uh, compliment to get. That's like the ultimate, I think like, um, you know, like we did like, you know, we did like good work together um, and that we're able to like really get each other and grasp tonally like where uh, we are with how we see things. And that, yeah, that's like number one at the end of the day, yeah, it's really nice. I totally remember that feeling acting and you know, the director says, like, that's exactly what I was picturing. And it's, like, the craziest feeling because you're, like, this, is, this isn't this is your passion project. You know, this is the director's vision and you're helping them achieve that. And that's kind of your job. And, like, it, it's just such a, an amazing feeling to to know that you matter on set, I guess, is, is kind of where that stems from for me. A great, like, synergy, right? Yeah, totally. This is a great conversation, man. Let's just acknowledge that for a sec i think uh yeah it's been it's been great i haven't done a podcast like this where it's just super almost laid back and i know that at the beginning i was like expecting you to just like start answering questions i think i've looked at one question so far (laughs) and actually read a question like one of the reasons i started my podcast is to become a better communicator and as a director that's obviously incredibly important as we talked about and I just think like me having this podcast and having to be in spontaneous discussions, I guess we could call them and like coming up with things on the fly and practicing talking to people and your speech is so important for me. So that's one of my goals with this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It it just doesn't feels just flowy. I think that's always like a great thing. I think you just like have a lot of I, I think I, that genuinity is like really nice of going into like these podcasts. I was just like listen to like a bunch of other podcasts where they have the same format. Like, right. uh, one, you know, Elliot Rausch is a director. He's like wrote by Stink. There's one podcast dude where he was like, he was just so relaxed and mm-hmm. just like he was so personal. And it was, just, it became like a really personal conversation with him. Like just like his whole like, like family life. And just like, like, yeah, like sometimes I just like need to get through the day and like go see my like my like my son. Like 
and it, it just it became like so real that it was like so inspiring to listen to that where it was like after listening to that I was like you know I, I always well want to like uh talk vulnerably of like say like when I talked about the competition aspect um was like I, like I sort of it's nice to like sort of let that go and be like a public thing because then that was just like um I sort of like I'm realizing this about myself and it's also like it's a true thing um that I'd like to like share with people uh you know for other people that might even see it that way or like I don't know that's kind of like, again with like the content creating um age the digital era where we're so used to people putting out their best selves it's so nice when you can hear or you can see somebody be themselves and you know like for example somebody saying you know i am scared before i start a podcast because it's nerve-wracking people are listening right now i don't know how many but i'm sure a fair amount and like i think it's really amazing that first of all podcasts on this flat on on this platform specifically i think people get into good conversations and they're more authentic because they're they're longer they're not made to be short and sweet like most content is now yeah yeah sure, sure. yeah it can be as long as you want to in that sense this is so funny actually uh i've just realized max i i obviously called max and i was like hey man like what are some things i should know about julian and and like you know what are some like how does he work in this stuff and just stuff that I wouldn't know even from like looking up your name and seeing your website uh, just to kind of pinpoint some stuff to talk about and he was like everybody everyone that I talk to about Julian just says he's the nicest guy <laughs> and I was like now I'm starting to understand that <laughs> yeah coming from Max though he's a really, really pleasant guy himself dude he's great he's great I, I love that guy. He's working hard as shit, man. Yeah, I I'm I'm super happy to hear that. He uh... yeah, that's all he's thinking about and like going into stuff. Um, and even which is a steady cam now. I'm like so excited to be like just uh like our, our relationship is really exciting because um like he, as much as like he has the steady cam, he bought it from me and stuff now is that uh, our relationship is like say like I might still use it at times, and then I also mm -hmm. like, like I bought like, the lens, and so like sort of like. And he's like just asked me a lot of questions and i've never like even like had like a mentor like uh never done that uh, I got, but i feel like i need like a mentor uh by like sort of being like this to max in a way um, but also just like as a friend he's like yeah it's cool he's like he's a bit much he's, he's like mature for his age i think as well yeah he's he's a good friend and definitely somebody that he's one of those people i was talking about like people that I met in film school that I want to work with for a long time. And so we've been, we've been talking a lot recently about um, trying to get a job out together and making a movie. It's going to be fun. Yeah. You guys are going to do something together. I hope so. Uh, I mean, he wants to DP and I want to direct and we've always talked about working together and it just hasn't happened yet. And so we want to do a personal project together and make that happen. Same year. Yeah. I I'm a year older than him. I just took that year off and traveled as we talked. But how yeah. old are you? I'm 21 now. Yeah, 27. Oh yeah? yeah. Yeah, yeah. How old were you on Rake then? 24, maybe. Rake was 2017. That sounds right. So Julian and I worked together on a set 
for Jonathan Egan, who was directing a short film that I starred in called Rake, which is about a young boy. It's a coming coming of age story about a young boy who attempts to steal a hood ornament, and it gets crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> and you first AC'd, and I acted in it. Second, second, second AC'd. Second I pulled for Keenan that one time. Right, right, right. I remember Keenan on those roller blades <laughs> with that huge uh, camera. Oh no, that was uh, that was uh, Matt. Oh, that was Matt. Uh, mixing it up a long time ago. Keenan's the snowboarder, isn't he? Uh, no, is that no. Matt? That's Matt. Yeah, Matt oh, Matt was uh, like mobile operator. Yeah, I'm such a diva. I was like, I don't care who these people are. What <laughs> <laughs> during that? No, I'm just totally kidding. No, I'm not actually a diva. I don't think anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask another question here. <laughs> get this, get this going again. If I include this, uh, I think people will actually enjoy it. It's quite funny. All right. I think you should. Yeah, it's authentic, man. I'm curious as to what draws you to music videos specifically, because you've done a fair amount. Equinox, man crazy it's so beautiful when the sound design the editing the the camera work is just gorgeous again it comes back to uh specifically i like getting into music videos for me was uh it was a place to practice and to begin um and you know not going to film school either was like um there's a lot of music videos say in toronto starting up um and when getting into like the film industry uh, when I got into it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, doing a lot of second AC work and like grip and electric like uh, stuff on music videos. Um, and that there's a huge industry for music videos in um, Toronto. Um, um, and there, yeah, there's just so much of it going on. That's like really a, like a learning grounds to start at. Um, and that was you know, obviously a great place to like start um, playing with images and, practicing stuff and doing things that were like surreal and um, just like sort of let the mind be very free and just uh, try like so many things. Uh, that was like the biggest thing to me that was always very uh, fun and interesting to do. It's just like being able to replicate like styles, like say like for blue moon that we did um, was like, I was obsessed with twin peaks. Um, uh, yeah. Like for like months and I was just like huge, I was like binging David Lynch films and Twin Peaks was like stuck in my mind. And like, I would go on like these jogs um, um, by my house and I saw, uh, it was like, it was a, by a creek in Etobicoke. Um, and I would always remember like when I was a younger child, um, uh, child, I sound like I'm like 50. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was like a teenager, I saw, like, I would, like, you know, we'd go go hang out there, like, make, like, bonfires and, like, like throw rocks and shit and, like, just, yeah, uh, just be, like, teenagers, basically. And, um, and then I saw when I was, like, on a jog, like, I saw, like, the kids, these kids doing, like, the same thing. And so that was, like, I was sort of saw that um, and it was just, like, very uh, nostalgic to me. And then I was, like, watching Twin Peaks. I was, like, I need to make something and, like, the light of Twin Peaks because like the style like drives me nuts like I love it so much that like I need to create something that's like this and that like music video uh chromatics blue moon who did that song was like that was just like the perfect energy that I thought like meshed 
with the style that I wanted to do and uh, like practice it basically. And it's like, it's the best for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that story of the inspiration there. That's beautiful. But I want you to expand on that style that you're talking about with Twin Peaks. Like what, what exactly about it? So yeah, Twin Peaks is like the most, to me, uh, at that time too, it was a sitcom show. Um, or not a, it was not a sitcom. It was, a, it was like a, uh, what's the word? It was sort of making fun of sitcoms. Uh, I forgot the word for that. It, um, sitcom shows were like very popular. Um, I believe in the late 70s, 80s, I believe, um, when that show was created. Um, and Twin Peaks was making fun of David Lynch, was making fun of these sitcoms and that it was in this very like awkward, uh, the dialogue was like very awkward and the characters were just really strange and the camera was in four by three. So it felt like um, everything was like, not like the, that the compositions were very like portrait like, but they were, um, um, they're just, they're very, uh, they're like very picturesque, but also like the image was just very um, saturated. Um, the colors were um, like just like these pinks and like like odd sort of like pastel like colors and such. Um, and like very all these like center compositions that just um, um, were just yeah just yeah in the end like yeah like very like painterly. Um, and I just loved the the idea of this sort of very like sort of. Uh, uh, not not awkward but it was um just uh what's the word like dead you know deadpan as like a term like the yorgos lanthimos uh films like the lobster and stuff have you seen that yeah actually i think i just recently watched the lobster is that the one the uh kind of i'm maybe getting this completely wrong but um it's like based in like 20 years and it's this about the people that if you don't get married or whatever, you turn into an, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Into animals, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deadpan. It, I would say that that's kind of similar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then just trying to create uh, uh, this atmosphere that was sort of like very deadpan um, and uh, just sort of like create that, uh like like experiment basically uh like hence like you having to be silent for like and stare at someone for like hours yeah i remember that very clearly <laughs> yeah yeah um but that was that was more reference from nicholas winning Griffin, who's like have you seen drive dude that has been on my list for so long and i cannot believe i still haven't seen it. i've wanted to watch it for so long yeah no genuinely i i'm gonna watch it right now right after this <laughs> there's the so it's like there's these moments of silence where you can just like feel the energy between these two characters and you'll i think you're gonna yeah let me know when you watch it because i think when you watch it you'll see like the role that you did uh with Clea, where there's literally that scene but like you did it for the whole music video but those scenes are in that film like exactly really i didn't know that yeah. So I, yeah, I think you'll see what I mean by that. Um, so that that was that was like where that whole like energy came from of like going into that it was trying to replicate just like those things that I liked within like Nicholas Winning Ruffin and uh, 
uh, like David Lynch and such. Yeah. And that, so yeah, hence like music videos being like a great place to like, experiment. In that, in that regard, yeah, yeah I, I think I definitely agree with that. I, I haven't really done many music videos or anything like that, but I can definitely feel what you're talking about in regards to, uh, which one was it? In regards to Equinox, actually, there was just so many different things going on. I don't even really know how to describe them, but like, <laughs> how would you describe it? You, you, you'd probably <laughs> describe it a little better than me. Uh, Jonah Haber, the director, mm-hmm. um, he basically, like, we had these scenes and like shot ideas in mind, uh, but he, as much as things that he knew he wanted. And then he told me like, this is what like we need to like, uh, like get into the scene and segue into it. And, uh, you know, obviously like moments that he wants and like such as that he gave a lot of freedom to me. Uh, and it was like all on steady cam where I was sort of just like running around and just like, we're in this, um, uh, park that this, um, uh, sculptor, um he used to be a t- like a elementary school or, or a high school teacher i forgot um and he built this um whole park of all these statues and such so we were basically on this whole park and we were uh, he gave us a permission to um you know shoot there and so we sort of just went to all these different spots and then we just like oh like this looks nice right now and like the sun like is like that so we're just going to like make a scene and like just try things basically. And like, we had like the dance things planned out of where they would take place and at what time, and like, cause we had projection mapping and stuff that, um, that we did on the project. Um, so there was like, there are things that were very like improvised and there was things that were planned. Um, and that, that's where like the pacing like, comes into play. Um, but that's also the editor uh, on that project, Michael Barker, who as well edited that, like did a phenomenal job of being able to blend uh, all of that and then make something, I think, quite special out of something that was not really, like there's sort of like moments that were planned in it, like from climax point. But then after that, it was like, oh, it could have been anything basically. Whoever edited it like as well, like there's just, there's a lot of free realm that Jonah brought into the project of letting say myself perform and like bring elements and as long well as the editor, along with the sound designer and uh, yeah. Um, yeah. In that regard. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I found it interesting when you, you briefly mentioned like how the choreography was super planned, but a lot of the aspects weren't. Um, how does the choreography affect your camera work then? arbitrarily like uh and just with uh i've been able to do a lot of dance projects at this point and it sort of came randomly from doing a lot of steady cam um and just getting into it and starting to do some and some people seeing some dance projects that i've done and being like oh they love that so they you know we'd love to that's where like jonah and i clicked on wanting to do a dance project together and um when we're doing like uh the dance uh together I'm basically just trying to feel out what the dancer is doing and um, like perform with them and just sort of like wave the camera around um, and have a really good focus. <laughs> That's great. I might quote you on that and grab a sound bite. I just wave the camera around. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, 
that's sort of really doing there's like there's angles to like to and like sort of coverage points uh like uh to play with and not to like try to like boost up like like waving the camera around but it's like a lot of it is just like like improv we're just like seeing what like happens and what works so that makes me wonder in Pollyanna, I remember you did that one take uh, where she kind of like goes all the way around uh, that subway section. And what were some of the reasons that you chose to do that one take? We wanted to create like a moment that was just extended <clears throat> rather than just doing a dance. So we had like two versions that we did. Um, so originally Roman and I, we talked about doing two versions and the one take would we basically wanted to capture the life of the subway station before getting into this uh, dance performance. So it was more of a narrative like coming from behind it um, and, st- and just getting to feel the different people, like how we like latched on to different people as we like, sort of kept on walking um, and going through the subway station. That, that was the, yeah, that was the reason why we really wanted the one take was to be able to explore different uh perspectives and then land on her her performance basically i think that makes her performance a lot more intimate actually when you see all of these other people yeah i'm glad you grasped it that way that was a yeah definitely i like the way that you said that you had alternate versions because i remember when we were on the set of blue moon together there was also alternate versions is that something that you do often um well to the two as much as i've directed uh and like been a part of those projects <clears throat> like uh blue moon was something that roman and i did and then pollyanna was uh, roman and i are just very close collaborators in that sense that like in those like in those experimental projects too were, were you know we'd come up with oh what if it was this uh so then if we both liked it then we would film it but i've never done that um or like really even like proposed that um other than those two projects no i don't don't normally do it that way um yeah with blue moon uh yeah i have that cut if you want to see it i'll send you the. yeah actually do do cut it what do you think of it why did you pick one over the other uh one was the other one was um a more like sinister ending of remember like it was uh yeah and it was just it was either like gonna entail like it was more of like a softer approach to ending the project where instead of like, um, you know, being, it's the whole thing is in, in being that a uh, sort of fantasy between uh, the, the boy and the girl. Uh, and then at the end um, where it became uh, so like, everything was just sort of, sort of so perfect in a way is that I sort of had to end with this like sinister sort of ending. Um, and it was just like it was a bit like more gruesome of like a ending rather than like just ending it more softly um and that was like that was my idea and then within like roman and myself we just went with that softer idea basically of that yeah yeah i guess when when you can shoot both and you have the time and the budget i mean honestly why not right make the editor happy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i edited that too and yeah, whenever doing shooting stuff, I don't know if you're the same way, but like, I, whenever editing stuff and you're shooting is like wanting to get the best shots sometimes, which is like not good at all because you should be looking at performance and such. But 
with that that was like took a while because i was always like oh this shot is like how i perfectly composed it but uh yeah, the performance is obviously like much better in this one yeah i don't know if you ever uh, had that where it's like you have to use a take that you you shot that you really liked but yeah editing for uh, as a in an all in all uh is pretty hard then and you just do you direct uh and edit like all your projects as well or are you like trying to veer away from no i i love editing so much i think it's so interesting to have that much control over a project and i feel like what's more interesting about that is that people don't even usually understand that people see the film and they're like yeah that's how it is that's how i see it they don't see the other i don't know 40 hours of footage that this one person had to go through and but yeah like to answer your question i think it is hard as hell to to go through that because i'm like i know this composition's better but this performance is is better here and like there are so many decisions that just people don't see that go into the project and i feel like it's just super difficult i i want to have john on the show actually jonathan egan uh editing and and there's only like a certain handful of people i feel like can like <clears throat> really separate things and it's like it's a lot of like ego i think to like get rid of of uh when you're editing and directing and shooting and stuff like that because then you have to really look at like what your like main purpose is right yeah the patience is insane man i don't know how you do it if you do I remember hearing, I forget which director this is. I hope somebody messages me and reminds me, but I remember hearing about this one director who before he goes into the editing room, he goes rock climbing for two weeks and just like basically screws off and like clears his head so that when he gets into the editing room, he can separate that director mindset. Like, oh, dude, this this shot took two days. It has to go in the film. Like, no. If it's not going to work in the film, you have to understand that. And that's where a good editor comes in. But that's a hard thing to do and separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very smart to do. Yeah. So I picked up rock climbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. But yeah, to just like clear your head that way. Because going project right into editing is like insane. Or, or I've met like directors though that they'll go right into it right after because they're fresh um, and don't want to like wait. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, all personality driven. Yeah, totally. I mean, I get too excited, you know, I can't go rock climbing. I'll be like itching to get back. Yeah, you should be thinking about it while you're rock climbing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would actually just be thinking about takes a hundred percent. Well, I'm going to ask you one last question. This has been uh, an amazing conversation, Julian. Thank you so much. What's something you want a new director, also known as me, to know about the camera department uh i think we have what we talked about before <clears throat> with communication uh being the biggest thing is that that's the, been the number one thing uh that i've been working on and trying to be the best that i can be at um every day and that um in terms of when going into like she's shot listing um and going into our just everything that we're going to be doing together is uh communicating from my side um what uh has to be done for each scene and those shots and, the, and like those specialty shots and like what it takes to um like create like the look that we're going for 
um, in that case, and just like upkeeping that. Um, and um, in terms of any other questions, like going into the camera and like say, like, are you asking as well, like, what uh, to expect, like, when getting or like working with a full like camera team in that sense? Or I figured, like, what I was trying to ask of you in that question was like something that I wouldn't know that everyone in the camera department like always com complains about a director not knowing do you know what i mean is there anything like that you're like oh you're like this director did it again it's like really annoying <laughs> I mean, uh, it's funny uh most within um like say with the like, comments for directors is like more like knowing knowing what you want uh, you can always like see from a director like that knows what they want. Um, and those who are like, say like, it's, it's not even really saying like, you know, it's like bad for not exactly knowing what they want, but you can always tell the difference of someone who knows what they're going to use in the cut. And then also people who are sort of still like a bit hesitant of like, like, like confident about like what's going to make it. Um, and you'll always see the director that when they know what they want, um, that confidence will boost like the whole morale of the whole set along with like, say like the camera department in that regard. Um, um, and that like confidence is a, like a huge thing as well in filmmaking in general, that even if there is something that you don't know, that's where in terms of going to the communication aspect is that just like asking as many questions as like, I think that like we all need to, to do uh, to all just like understand each other um, and being honest in that regard. Although with confidence is that like, although if we don't know exactly the outcome, like uh, we and yourself need to be confident with um, your decision-making. And even if it is a huge risk and you like understand or, or are guessing is that that confidence will like transpire towards the whole set of everyone being confident and like executing what they're doing. Um, that would be like my, I guess, spiel of anything in that regard. Yeah. I feel like that's a whole like holistic thing as well within filmmaking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, there are some people it's interesting because some people need to see an example of their vision before they make a decision instead of like knowing what they want. And yeah, we're going to go with this. They have to see so many different examples and then make a decision. It's like, I mean, it takes a lot of confidence, right? It, that's a that's a hard thing to, to, to nail down. But I mean, if you're conscious of it and you respect people and, and like you said, and you're communicating, I mean, it's something that you, you will be able to get close to or work towards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also just, uh, <clears throat> there's like a level of ignorance too yeah, I think that's like um, knowing when it's like too much and then when it's like a good idea to like not guess and then also just be very like confident with either asking or this is what we need to go for because filmmaking is filmmaking and like you know if we're the ones doing the, uh, the directing and like the cinematography in that regard that we need to uh, go for what um yeah, we might think is best or even like at that time that like while we're learning um and that's like also like a hard way obviously of doing it but 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Julian. This has been uh, an incredible conversation. I feel like even from the get-go, I was learning so much. And you have such an interesting perspective. And obviously, you and I, like, the perspectives have kind of, like, varied a little bit, you know? Uh, And, yeah, I'm just so happy to uh, get this chance to talk to you. And I hope that we can see each other when all of this COVID stuff is gone uh, and catch up some more, man. Yeah, definitely soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. Cool, man. Yeah, this is really nice to talk with you. And I, I just feel like both ways is just every every other every conversation in this regard too like very happy for you to learn along with myself like learning just like different perspectives and learning um like even still getting into it still i still feel very like new so whatever we're talking about um it's all like all beneficial of like even what path to go into next or whatever in that sense so and being in on a podcast i think as we kind of discussed before like it asks it you have to reflect you know and even when you were shooting questions back at me, like I was not expecting that at all. But it's just a really good opportunity to to kind of bring your thoughts to life a little. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Buddy. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, cut. Uh, I, <laughs> that's so funny. Like even the outro was long. <laughs> And thank you for listening to Julian and I talk about skateboarding. Uh, that was um, super fun. As I said, like, learned so much, and I hope you did too. And yeah, it was kind of scrambly at some points, but honestly, that was probably... Those were probably my favorite parts, to be honest, as the interviewer. So, I'm going to use my business voice again. If you want to support The Director's Notebook on Instagram, it is at, you guessed it, The Director's Notebook. It's actually not called at, you guessed it, The Director's Notebook. It's just called at, The Director's Notebook. Anyway, um, if you want to support me personally, it's at Samuel G. Davey, D-A-V-E-Y. And Julian, above all, you should definitely uh, give him a follow on Instagram and watch him as he grows because I genuinely think he's going to do some some great work. So, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I didn't even... I totally forgot to put his Instagram handle at J-U-L-I-A-N-L-O-M-A-G-A at Julian Lamaga on Instagram. And as I said in the beginning of the podcast... If you didn't check out his website, you actually should as well, because it's crazy, to be honest. That's uh, that's the word I'm going to use. Yeah, it's just crazy. I think my favorite video was Equinox. Uh, I think, as I said in the podcast, uh, you should definitely check it out. It has some wicked sound design, wicked editing, and of course, some wicked camera movements and angles, lenses you know, the cinematographer lingo. So enjoy. And uh, thank you again for for listening. I really appreciate it.